Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wildcat Scoop podcast. I'm Wildcat Authority Senior Editor Jason Shear, and uh, we've got a big one in Tucson at 8 p.m. of night, uh, of course, but uh, we got a big game between Arizona and Washington. Uh, Arizona announced earlier on Wednesday that the game was less than 4,000 tickets remaining before it is sold out, so there's going to be a crowd. Um, We're going to take a look at the Huskies in this podcast, and uh, I think overall when you look at Arizona's schedule, I don't think there's any argument that Washington is the strongest team that Arizona has faced this year. Uh, Not sure it's very close either. I think Washington's clearly the best team uh, that Arizona's faced this year. And what's interesting about UW is Originally, when you kind of look at the schedule, uh, the general thought would be that this game against Arizona was the trap game. Uh, Washington would go beat Stanford. Uh, They'd go to Arizona for the trap game because they play Oregon next week. Now, there is no trap game because Washington is coming off a brutal loss uh, to Stanford. And, And make no mistake about it, it it was a brutal loss. Uh, Washington did not play well at all in that game. Uh, That is a game where, you know, it was a weird game. I I think that's the best way for me to describe it. And the reason I say it's a weird game is because uh, nothing went right at all whatsoever uh, for for, uh, Washington. I mean, Jacob Eason was 16 of 36, one touchdown, win interception. Those are awful numbers. Uh, They couldn't run the ball. Um, they had Richard Newton, 10 carries for 64 yards, which is great. Um, problem is that he got injured in that game and is doubtful. Uh, Chris Peterson said that it probably wasn't as serious as it looked against Stanford, but I think it looked serious watching the game. It looked serious enough where I would be surprised if he played against Arizona. Um, they have Salvan Ahmed, they have Sean McGrew, but neither guy really got it going. Uh, but we'll talk about those guys in a bit. But they couldn't really rush the ball all that great either. Uh, receiving, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to have great receiving numbers when you don't have great passing numbers. Uh, it was Aaron Fuller and everyone else, basically. Aaron Fuller had 171 of the 206 total receiving yards. Uh, but to me, the bigger story is that Washington uh, defensively got pushed around by a Stanford offense, which was flat-out bad. One of the worst statistical offenses in the country, completely dominated Washington. And I know 23 points doesn't sound like domination, but you have uh, David Mills, uh, you know, 21 of 30 for almost 300 yards. Cameron Scarlett ran for 157 yards and a touchdown, average 4.6 a carry. Uh, they just, uh, they were just better. I mean, it really is that simple. Uh, Stanford was just better than Washington. And so you watch that game. And you watch the loss to California earlier this year in the game that went on to one in the morning or whatever it is. Um, and you kind of say to yourself, all right, maybe Washington isn't as good as we thought. But then if you're like me, you watch that three-game stretch they had before Stanford. Uh, they beat Hawaii 52-20. to We know that Arizona lost to Hawaii. And, yes, there's a big difference, in my opinion, in, in traveling to Hawaii and, and playing Hawaii at home. But nonetheless... Uh, they destroyed Hawaii, won by four touchdowns. Uh, then they go to BYU, a decent team, you know, on the road at BYU, destroy them, 45-19. to 19. Then they come back, 
and play USC at home, win by two touchdowns in a game that probably wasn't that close. So if you watch those three games, there was no real indication uh, that they would lose to Stanford. You figure that they would kill Stanford, uh, but they didn't. And so now, all of a sudden, if you're Arizona, you see that Stanford result, and you say to yourself, all right, maybe we have a better chance than you know, maybe we thought. And if you're Washington, you see that Stanford result, and you say to yourself, all of a sudden, Arizona is an absolute must-win game because they're going to Oregon. So you have two teams with kind of different mentalities, obviously, though, with the same goal. You have Washington saying, we need to win this game or else we're approaching a territory where we could lose three in a row. You have Arizona saying, hey, Washington's beatable. We beat Washington. Uh, the Pac-12 South gets a little more weird since Arizona's on top of the Pac-12 South. So there's, there's a lot of storylines beyond the simple players on the field in the sense that it has a different type of meaning for both teams, but it's still a huge game. Um, you know, starting off with, with Washington offensively, like we usually do when we take a look at, at opponents, they're, they're a unique team offensively. And the reason I say that is, you know, when I talk about the Huskies in general on both sides of the ball, we don't really know which Washington uh, is going to show up. Um, you know, is it the Washington that we saw against Hawaii, which does whatever it wants on both sides of the ball? Is it the Washington we saw against Stanford and Cal, where Jacob Eason really struggles we don't know. Um, what we do know is that I'm not sure Arizona will face a quarterback with a better arm than Jacob Eason. I mean, he could really sling it all over the field. He can make all the throws. Uh, he is a very legitimate quarterback in terms of arm strength and accuracy. The issue, I think, with him is that just because he has the arm strength doesn't necessarily mean that Washington allows him uh, to show it off. Um, he's a guy where uh, a lot of what he does will be similar to kind of Nomazoni's offense where he'll throw these little slants, these little out patterns, and they'll let the wide receivers work. He tends to focus in a little bit on Aaron Fuller and ignore other receivers. Um, so it, it's, it's an interesting situation because while he has a strong arm, um, he also does things that uh, make him beatable or make him containable. I thought against Stanford, the biggest mistake that he made is when he would get pressure, uh, he would run backwards and try to throw while running backwards, um, you know, off his back legs. And it's just, it's not going to happen. I don't care how good of a quarterback you are, especially at the college level, you won't see many guys that can complete passes literally running backwards. So, you know, the key with, with containing Eason is similar to the key with anyone. And, and Tristan Cooper, I talked to him on Tuesday. Um, he's a guy that, you know, we'll get to in a bit, but he's going to play quite a bit on Saturday. But uh, I think he said that at the end of the day, most quarterbacks are the same because quarterbacks struggle no matter how good they are. They struggle under pressure. And at the end of the day, Jacob Eason, we could talk about his arm, his accuracy. He can make all the throws. But if Arizona pressures him, he's not the same quarterback. Uh, we saw it with Texas Tech. We saw it against UCLA. We saw it with Montez, where Montez was fine. I mean, he was average. But when they made him run, when Arizona made him run, he put together some awful throws out of bounds, missing wide receivers by 10 yards, uh, etc. It just wasn't working out for him when he got on the run. So I'm sure that Arizona is going into this game plan, in this game in general, saying that this whole team changes once Jacob Eason uh, is on the run. If we can get Jacob Eason on the run, this Washington offense and Easton's passing ability won't be the same. And I know I realize that sounds uh, like common sense, um, and it, it is kind of common sense, 
but it, it's more of um, Eason's really good, but you got to kind of take that and say, okay, how can Arizona make him normal? And it's clearly he, he's not a quarterback that wants to run. He wants to throw, and he's going to make some bad throws on the run if he has to. Um, so, you know, the, the key to kind of containing this offense with Eason is putting him on the run. That's what Stanford did. It's not a coincidence. Washington only scored 13 points. Uh, I think if I'm Washington, if I'm their offensive coordinator, I'm running the ball, okay? And, and again, Richard Newton uh, has 64 carries on the season, second leading rusher. Uh, he's a guy where, you know, he, he's a big loss, but they still have talent at the position. Uh, they saw Salvan Ahmed, who, who's a very legitimate running back, averaging six yards a carry this season, has three touchdowns, 85 yards a game. To me, if I'm the Washington offensive coordinator, I'm going into Saturday's game and I'm saying Ahmed's got to get 25 you know, carries. Obviously, you look at the numbers and it's unrealistic unless they do give him the 25 because Newton's, uh, Newton's not playing. Um, but it, it, it's just, to me, uh, it, it's the clear strategy for Washington because Ahmed, he's a powerful back. Uh, I, I think he's a, he's a very legitimately good back. Uh, the run game has struggled at times because of the offensive line, but he's a guy, uh, he, he puts up solid numbers, and, and so he's a guy where Arizona's going to have to contain, but if I'm a Washington offense coordinator, I'm saying, okay, we're going to open up the, the offense with the run and go from there. Uh, Sean McGrew is a guy where uh, another solid back, smaller, 5'7", 186. Um, Arizona actually in the past has had success against those smaller uh, faster type of guys, the shiftier guys. Um, you know, the Arizona's tackling hasn't been great this season, but the guys that they struggle with generally uh, are the power backs. And, and so, it, you know, it, to me, when you look at it, the offense of Washington all starts with the run. I, I think if they're unable to run the ball, I don't care if Arizona's secondary has struggled at times or not. Um, a lot of times the reason it struggles is because the other team at least makes Arizona respect the run. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Washington opens up the ball, uh, sorry, opens up the offense and opens up the game in, in terms of their offensive strategy. Uh, they've ran the ball more than they've passed it this season um, the, by like 40 times, 40 attempts or so. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. I would expect UW to run the ball. Receiving for Washington is also unique because Jacob Eason, you know, we, we often talk, kind of relating this to Arizona, we often talk about how Arizona doesn't have that one dominant receiver. Uh, Khalil Tate, Grant Gunnell, whoever it is, uh, they like to spread that ball around. There's not that one dominant guy, okay? And, and so we take a look at Arizona, and you've got Tavian Cunningham, Jamari Joyner, Cedric Peterson, Brian Castile, and then some Booby Curry now, and, and, and really a bunch of guys. Washington, it's two guys, and really it's one guy, uh, Aaron Fuller. Aaron Fuller's got 36 catches, 12 more than the next guy, for about 500 yards, four touchdowns. He, he's the guy. I mean, he, he's going to get uh, the catches on this team. He's not an overly big guy. He's 5'11", 188. Uh, he's solid. I think Arizona's faced better receivers um, this season. Uh, I think that he, while he's good, um, you know, the guy in Texas Tech, Vasher, is probably the best receiver that Arizona's faced all year. But uh, Fuller's really consistent. Uh, his worst game of the season was against Cal, three catches for 40 yards. After that, he's had five catches in every game. Five Eastern Washington, five Hawaii, eight BYU, six USC, nine Stanford. 
Um, the only 100-yard game he's had was that Stanford game, nine catches, 171 yards. But he's still good uh, to get a, a good amount of yardage. He scored in three of Washington's six games. He's a guy where it's not a coincidence that when he struggles, that offense struggles. Like California, he didn't play well. Washington lost that game. Uh, Stanford, he did play well, but uh, you know Jacob Eason was basically looking for Fuller, and if Fuller wasn't open, that offense was dead. It, it was just really, it, it's it's almost weird uh, how, how that worked out and how Fuller, I'm sorry, how Eason doesn't really spread the ball out as much as he should. Uh, the second leading receiver on Washington is actually the tight end. He doesn't have the height of a tight end. He's only 6'2", but Hunter Bryant is about 240 pounds uh, in in my opinion, he, he's good, uh, very good. But again, it, it's kind of a weird situation because against Stanford, he wasn't even in the game. Late in the game, he finished with one catch for eight yards. Uh, the two previous games for that, he had four catches for 49 yards. Uh, really, his best game of the year was he absolutely destroyed Hawaii. Five catches, 115, and a touchdown. But if he's going to line up at the tight end position, uh, it's going to force Arizona's linebackers to go into coverage, and they're not great at it. And this is what I kind of mentioned about Tristan Cooper. I think he's really important in this game. Um, or, you know, it's going to be, okay, does Marcel Yates go with Tristan Cooper and play him in the box, or does he go the route where he puts Whitaker in the slot or Whitaker on Hunter Bryant and, and see if at least Whitaker can take the route away? Because Bryant is stronger than Whitaker, but Whitaker's got him in coverage. Um, because of how good a, in coverage Whitaker is, my guess is that Arizona goes with that three lineman, uh, that three linebacker set. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if they mixed it up. But containing Bryant might be the key because it almost feels like because Eason is keying on Aaron Fuller so much that if Arizona can make the life of everyone else harder, uh, it, it'll go a long way uh, in the passing game. Um, just because, you know, Hunter Bryant's a guy that he can hurt Arizona in the middle of the field. They've shown that opposing tight ends can hurt Arizona. Uh, but then again, you know, we just don't know how Washington's going to use them. They didn't use them at all uh, against Stanford. Stanford did a nice job of taking him out of the game. The third receiver uh, I would watch out for is Andre Basile. He's the third leading receiver on the team. Hopefully I, I pronounce his, his name right. But um, he, he's another, you know, solid receiver. Not spectacular. And the one thing you'll notice about Washington's receivers is uh, they're not very big. There's not like a big six-foot dominant receiver on this team. Uh, Andre is decent, but his last two games, if you looked at him, you'd think whatever. I mean, for the last two games combined, he has three catches for 14 yards. Um, but he has potential. I mean, against BYU, four for 72 and a touchdown. Eastern Washington, five for 84 and a touchdown. But against the better teams on the schedule, uh, he hasn't done great. He didn't do great against Cal, didn't do great against Hawaii, uh, didn't do great against USC and Stanford, uh, obviously. So, you know, the, the, the thing with Washington is they actually have some talent at wide receiver. Um I mentioned before that they don't have that big six-foot wide receiver. I guess you could say Hunter Bryant is more of a receiver. They have a tight end, Kate Otten, who's probably going to get some targets uh, this week, who's a big kid, 6'5", 250. Um, he, he's capable uh, of putting a little damage, especially in the red zone. But uh, they don't have that big dominant receiver that usually would give a team like Arizona fits. I think Aaron Fuller is good. But like I've said before, the, the offense is weird to me. It, it's... Jacob Eason, they, they don't ask him to do a lot, 
Uh, to me, it starts with the run game. But I, I, the reason I say the offense is weird is because I think the offensive play calling I've been watching, uh, I've watched the last two Washington games, um, and I, I saw the Cal game early in the year, and I think a lot of it goes back to offensive play calling. Uh, I think, for instance, if you had a guy like a Mazzoni or a guy um, that, that can open it up, I think Washington's offense would look different. Uh, they've scored some points, obviously, but you know when you're looking at them overall uh, against the better teams on the schedule, uh, 28 points against USC is okay. Uh, you know, 19 points against Cal obviously isn't good. 13 points against Stanford obviously isn't good. And so it's hard to figure out uh, what to make of this offense. Uh, defensively, uh, I don't think it's very hard to figure out what to make of Washington's defense. I think Washington's defense uh, is really good. <laughs> you know, it, it, and I realize it struggled against Stanford and all that, but uh, this is a team that's only allowing 18 points a game. Uh, this is a team that... Uh, is only averaging f- allowing four yards a rush, uh, six yards average per pass. Uh, only have allowed five p- passing touchdowns the entire year, so five passing touchdowns in six games. Only allowing five yards per play. Uh, they don't get a lot of penalties, they, and so defensively, uh, they're good. I mean, it, it's third down conversion. They're only allowing thirty-seven percent. They're not much better themselves, but. Uh, they're a good team. I mean, red zone uh, scores are allowing 80%, uh, 50% of those are touchdowns. And so defensively, uh, Washington, obviously, it's they're legit, and there's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I think that they are the best defense that Arizona has faced um, this season. Uh, and, and really, that secondary uh, is really good. Um, there's some questions about other parts of the defense, but – We'll uh we'll kind of start uh, with that secondary, and because I think similar to what I mentioned with uh with Washington wanting to establish the run, uh, I, I think Arizona has to do the uh, has to do the same thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see if JJ Taylor plays. I think we've gotten to the point where we're all talking great about Gary Brightwell. Um, I'm talking great about Gary Brightwell. I, I think he's good. But at the end of the day, uh, they need they need JJ Taylor to to be able to play. I mean, there's just there's just no no doubt about it. Uh, they need JJ Taylor there. Maybe they don't need him getting uh, thirty carries a game, but they absolutely need him uh, to be able to be able to play and, and to be effective. So uh, I, I take a look at Washington's uh, depth chart, and again. Uh, defensively, they've they've got some some talent, obviously, and, and the key uh, is that secondary. It's really good. Uh, Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon at corner, uh, Cameron Williams, Brandon McKinney, like these are good corners that would start on the majority of teams uh, in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, it, it's just uh, it, it's a matter of you know it, it's almost a good thing that Arizona doesn't have that dominant wide receiver, but they're also playing against guys that are, are, are really going to give Khalil Tate fits in the passing game. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much Arizona tests them deep uh, because it, it's kind of a, a situation where uh, it may not be there as much as Khalil Tate wants. So is Khalil Tate willing to be patient like he was against Colorado for the most part, or is he kind of going to force some things? 
Um, you know, I, you take a look at the past defense stats. Uh, Elijah Molden, who is the starter at free safety, has a ridiculous 10 pass breakups and uh, an interception this season. So, you know, it's going to be tough for Khalil Tate to go over the top with Molden. Um, you know, it, and it's it's interesting because he's not a big kid either at, at safety. He's five foot ten, one ninety, but really has a very good uh, knack for the ball. He was a preseason All Pac twelve mention. There's a reason for that. Uh, hadn't played generally well against Stanford with nine tackles uh, in a tackle for loss. Sometimes they'll they'll kind of blitz him a little bit um, and, and be, get aggressive with him on the pass breakups. He had four against BYU, two against Stanford. Uh, he's had an, his interception came against USC. He had that big interception, so he's a guy where Arizona is going to have to know where he is uh, over the top. That's obviously going to be uh, important. Uh, Trent McDuffie is a guy where uh, his numbers may not necessarily be there in terms of pass breakups and defense, but he's kind of a shutdown corner, 22 tackles this season. He's more of a, a shutdown glue type of corner. Uh, you take a look, Kyler Gordon is a guy where I really like three pass breakups, 24 tackles. These are, are good, uh, legitimate cornerbacks. Uh, Kyler Gordon, six foot, good size redshirt freshman, so the future's bright there. Uh, Trent McDuffie, 5'11", 185, good size. Uh, to me, when you take a look at Washington, I think there's been inconsistency at other positions, especially uh, linebacker. But uh, I think overall, I mean, this defense is still really talented. And uh, inside linebacker is, is more where there's been um, some struggles. Brandon Wellington and Kyler Manu hasn't necessarily been great. Uh, Manu has tackles. Uh, but he's not necessarily what they want. Same with Wellington. Uh, they tend to get lost in coverage a little bit. And, and so Arizona, what they'll like to do is they like to really spread the ball out and test linebackers in coverage. So I think if you're talking about the key to Arizona's offense in the passing game, it's going to be to kind of expose Wellington and, and Manu a little bit because I think that those guys can be caught in bad positions. Uh, you know, Washington's had some very good inside linebackers in the past. Um, those guys... Uh, have kind of struggled uh, a little bit. And so when you're Arizona offensively and with the run game, uh, you can pretty much assume that Arizona is going to attack the perimeter like they do every every game pretty much. But they're also uh, probably going to find a way to really attack um, those inside linebackers. Uh, just because if, if you're talking about a weakness, it's Manu and Wellington. Uh, I mean, but the, you, you have guys like Azeem Victor, Ben Burke, Kevin, uh, and, and guys like that that have been really good in the past. And I'm not saying that Manu and Wellington aren't good. Um, I, I think maybe we're, you know, the Pac-12 Washington fans are spoiled because of how good those inside linebackers are. But if you look at the, the defense overall and you're looking to pick a weakness, it'd be Manu and Wellington inside. Um, so I, I think overall defensively that's kind of uh, what you're looking at. Uh, you know, there, there's other guys, obviously, on that defense that are really good. Miles Bryant is a guy at strong safety who uh, who I really like quite a bit. Uh, senior leader of the defense, or one of the leaders of the defense, I should say. Uh, he, he's kind of a, a do-it-all type of guy. Uh, and, and again, not big. 5'9". Not a big guy. Uh, but he's got 39 tackles, 3.5 for loss. He's got a sack. He's got two interceptions. Really good player. Uh, Keith Taylor is another one. He's um, he's the starter at strong safety. Another guy 
where their, their safeties, Washington safeties, it all goes back to that secondary. I know I sound like a broken record, but Washington safeties are uh, are just really good. Uh, Dominique Campton, Kyler Garden, uh, etc. So don't be surprised if because of the way that Arizona is going to attack Washington, or at least the way that Washington thinks Arizona is going to attack them, don't be surprised if Washington goes uh, very defensive back heavy. And in a way that works out for Arizona, because they're going to go with those quick out patterns that you saw against Colorado, and I think that that plays into Arizona's hands a little bit with the blocking schemes um, and what they like to do with their wide receivers in terms of blocking, but also it's going to play to Washington's strength because they're going to be able uh, to get more coverage out there. Uh, you know, Washington has uh, a decent amount of sacks. If you're looking for guys that are going to get sacks, it's going to be uh, Ryan Bowman, who's an outside backer. They like to blitz him uh, quite a bit. If Washington's going to blitz, it's usually going to be Bowen. Um, and then uh, Benning Pote, um, he's a guy where he's a DT inside, but he's able to kind of get to the uh, opposing quarterback. Him and Bronson, Josiah Bronson, are, uh, are going to be the guys – um, that you're going to notice on the defensive line. And, and, and those are pretty big guys. At Benning, 6'3", 290. Uh, Bronson is 6'3", 290. Uh, Bowman at the outside backer position is a solid uh, six foot, uh, 277. So he's a backer, but he, he's not really a backer at that weight. I, I mean, they, they kind of blitz him and they're aggressive with him. They put his hand down, etc. Um, started the first two games of the season, but... Uh, you know, he had a sack against Stanford and five tackles. So this defense is solid. Um, and, and there's guys that you're going to have to watch out for. I think the big key is obviously, uh, what can Arizona get going against the Washington secondary? How successful can Arizona be against that really good secondary? So overall, uh, keys to the game, you know, it, it's really interesting when Washington plays Arizona because, there's like no success there. I mean, there's very little. It's one of those games where, uh, you know, be, be, before it felt like Arizona, for instance, could never win at the Rose Bowl under Jim Mora. Like UCLA, even if they came with the Arizona had the better team, Arizona would struggle against UCLA. Washington has brought better teams to Tucson than Arizona had, and Arizona's given them all they got, won some games, uh, won a lot of games actually. And for some reason, when these two teams meet, uh, it tends to get crazy. And, and I think you're kind of asking for a, a wild game on Saturday with an 8 p.m. kickoff. I think that's something 8 p.m. on the road at Arizona Stadium, which might be sold out, is going to be really interesting to see how Washington handles it. Um, I, I don't think most people wouldn't argue the fact that Washington is a better football team than Arizona. But as we've seen in the Pac-12 this season, um, how much better? I don't know. Does a better team always win in the Pac-12? No, absolutely not. Um, when you're looking at, at keys to the game for this weekend, I, I think they're pretty obvious. I think Arizona needs to establish the run. I think when you face a team like Washington on, is on defense, where they're strong on the defensive backfield, becoming one-dimensional in the passing game is bad news. Uh, Arizona was able to survive against Colorado as a one-dimensional team because Colorado's secondary is bad. They were able to survive against UCLA as a one-dimensional team because UCLA's secondary is bad. 
They will not be able to survive against Washington as a one-dimensional team. They have to find a way to establish the run. And I know that Kevin Sumlin and Olmazoni would say that those quick out patterns is basically establishing the run. Um, but I, I don't want to say I disagree. But when I say establish the run, I'm talking about the more traditional run game. I think Arizona needs to find a way uh, to establish that more traditional run game, whether it's Taylor, Brightwell, Bam Smith, Tilford, whatever it may be. Um, I think Tilford is a guy where don't be surprised if he gets more carries than usual because he's a power back and he's going against a bigger, stronger uh, defensive front. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they tell Tilford to kind of try to get some yards uh, in between the tackles because of Washington's speed on defense. Second key is... Uh, you know, Arizona's defense has been really good in the fourth quarter. They've only allowed three points uh, total in the fourth quarter in the last three games combined. But you can't be good just for one quarter against a team like Washington. Uh, Arizona needs to find a way to put together a consistent defensive performance over four quarters. Uh, you know, it, it's just Washington's outscored opponents by like 80 points in the first quarter. Uh, it may not be that much, but it, it, I think it's close. Uh, the stat I was looking at the other day where Washington absolutely dominates the first quarter against teams. And actually, the, the rest of the game, the, the quarter scoring is, is pretty equal. It's not like a big deficit. First quarter, forget it. Washington just has killed teams uh, in the first quarter. And a lot of that is what we saw against Hawaii and BYU. But still, I mean, that first quarter, similar to what Colorado did when we talked about the the second quarter in Colorado, uh, you know, in, in even the fourth quarter, um, Arizona was able to hold off uh, the bus from scoring too much in those quarters, and, and they won the game, and that's not a coincidence. So, uh, you know, I, I think defensively, Arizona's defense needs to come to play. Uh, it can't get behind early. Um, you know, I, I would venture to say, like, I, I it sounds silly, but if Arizona gets ahead early, if they score quickly, if you're Washington, maybe you start, th- you know, second-guessing yourself, knowing your lack of success against Arizona uh, in the past and, and realizing that, okay, maybe start thinking about Stanford a little much, start thinking ahead to Oregon a little much, and um, things could happen if Arizona is able to, to kind of get up early. But the defense has to play consistent for four quarters. It just can't show up for one quarter uh, and, and expect to win the game. And then... Uh, I think another key is penalties. Arizona only had one against Colorado. Fantastic. Um, you know, that that's a real key. Against Washington, when you're facing a good team, you can't have those stupid penalties that is going to give a good team another chance uh, to beat you. Uh, I think that there has to be limited mistakes in general, but really penalties, if you stop Washington and you have them on third down and you know, you, you got them, you stop them, and then all of a sudden they call a penalty and you give Washington another three downs, chances are you're going to pay for it. Washington's too good to do that, too. There's too much talent uh, on that team. So overall, just kind of my general thoughts on the game. Uh, my prediction, you know, I there isn't a time in which I thought Arizona was going to win this game. I admit if Arizona wins, I I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, I could see a path to Arizona winning. I say this every week, but the only result that would surprise me is Arizona getting blown out. Like, I, I could even see Arizona coming up with the fan base, sold out, getting momentum, you know, confident all that, and, and getting crazy and, and beating Washington by two touchdowns. I really could. Um, I, I think at home in the environment, the way that Arizona's got confidence now, I would be surprised if Arizona got blown out in an 8 p.m. game at home. That would be the only result that I'd, I'd be surprised at. Uh, with that being said, I am picking Washington. I know I've picked against Arizona lately. Um, but 
Uh, I am picking Washington 31-27. to I do think the game is going to get weird, like I mentioned. At the end of the day, though, I, I think that Washington just has too much talent defensively. I, I think it hurts Arizona that Washington lost to Stanford. I think if Washington had beaten Stanford, I might have actually picked Arizona to win this game because of the whole trap game scenario. Uh, but it's just hard for me to look at the overall talent um, that Washington has and still not pick the Huskies. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm sure I'll hear it on the message board. But uh, if Arizona wins, it's obviously a, a very big win. Uh, either way, we'll have another podcast after the game. Uh, I appreciate you guys for joining me. And uh, thanks again. It's the Wildcat Scoop Podcast. And this was Senior Editor of Wildcat Authority, Jason Shear.